0: Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Rop, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. This week I'm actually going to read you a chapter out of the new book. The book's going great. I've completely finished it. I have one more read-through to go back to try to catch typos, and then it's ready to print. So I'm very excited about that. This is from Chapter 13, called The Tripartite Nature of Humankind. Now that we've had a look at Gnostic Psychology, Let's head back into the Tripartite Tractate for more insight pertaining to the nature of humans. This chapter, this episode, is about the way ethereal consciousness came to create physical matter and how this matter interfaces with that consciousness. The Tripartite Tractate presents the gnosis of how our universe came into existence and how we came to populate it. The Tripartite Tractate describes the flow and process of consciousness, how it was in the beginning, and how it instantiates down here. This information unfolds in a strictly logical manner, and that's why so much of the book and Gnostic Insights is about an eon named Logos, because Logos means logic. The tripartite tractate also describes a three-part nature of humans, our physical, psychological, and spiritual aspects, how they arose, and how they work together. It's helpful to consider those questions in a simple and straightforward manner, without extraneous mythology, if we want to reach the conceptual level of how things work. The physics of this cosmogony is difficult enough to understand without adding allegorical tales and mythical characters as other books of the Nag Hammadi do. The Tripartite Tractate explains, quote, "...the first human being is a mixed formation and a mixed creation and a deposit of those on the left and those of the right." And a spiritual word whose attention is divided between each of the two substances from which he takes his being. Therefore, it is said that a paradise was planted for him, so that he might eat of the food of the three kinds of tree, since it is a garden of the threefold order, and since it is that which gives enjoyment. End quote. That's verse. 106 from the Attridge and Mueller translation. Let me begin by saying once again that everything is fractal. A fractal is a geometric form where things look very much the same at larger and smaller scales. We humans and all other powers are fractals of the originating consciousness by way of the hierarchy of the fullness. This is why I always begin with the Father, the Son, and the fullness of God, with its pleroma of aeons, because we are fractals of that same aeonic pattern. The Tripartite Tractate puts it this way, quote, Now, although those who belong to the remembrance are subordinate, they still reproduce the likeness of what belongs to the fullness and, in particular, because of their sharing in the names with which they are adorned." End quote. That's from verse 97, Thomason. We are those who belong to the remembrance, and we reproduce the likeness of the eons. This is another way of saying that we are fractals of the fullness. We share the names with which they are adorned. By names... We're talking about the characteristics of those eons, not merely their titles. In Jungian psychology, these names would be called archetypes. In Platonism, these names would be forms. The names represent the position, place, function, and duties of the eons, which are all of the archetypal forms that make up our universe. Remember, the fullness is a hierarchy containing all, all of the named variables that constitute the consciousness of the Son. The Son was the first fractal to emerge from that huge undifferentiated consciousness that we call the Father. The Son is the first singular expression of the Father's illimitable consciousness. Then the consciousness of the Son divided itself into what we call the all and the All is what could be considered to be every thought of the Sun. The All was not self-aware, it sat in perfect harmony and complete unity with the Sun. And, since the originating Father is a limitless source of consciousness, the variability of that consciousness is infinite. Bear in mind, though, that the archetypes of the eons of the fullness only represent virtuous concepts quote, while the members of the all exist in the single one as he clothes himself completely and in his single name, he is never called by it, and in the same unitary way they are simultaneously this single one as well as all of them End quote. That's verse sixty six as translated by Thomason. The Tripartite Tractate says, quote, The father had also thought in advance that they should exist not only for himself, but should exist for themselves as well. That they should remain in his thought as a mental substance, but also exist for themselves. That they should come into being for themselves also, End quote. That's verse 61. The instant that the All became self-aware, consciousness blossomed into a multitude of units of self-aware consciousness. When we refer to the One, we're generally talking about the Sun or the All, because they're sitting together as one conscious thought. But when the variables each became self-aware, they mingled together and gave glory to the Father producing an infinite number of eons. There are not 8 eons or 12. There are not 365 eons. There are an infinite number of eons because they each represent a unique aspect of illimitable consciousness. We humans, we second-order powers, are representations of those self-aware images. The eons are called the images, and we are their representations. In other words, we are fractals of the eons of the fullness of God. In A Simple Explanation of Absolutely Everything, I refer to these fractals as units of consciousness. Those units of consciousness carry forward the sun's one consciousness, as well as their particular self-aware identities, their names. Even though the word does not appear in the tripartite tractate, I have defined those names as the eons' egos, because everyone's ego is a unique designation of the one who bears it. The final eon, produced by the mingling of the fullnesses, was a very talented eon that contained self-aware fractal representations of all the other eons of the fullness within its own personal pleroma. His name was Logos. I visually represent the Pleroma of Logos as a little capstone pyramid sitting on top of the bigger pyramid of the fullness. The big pyramid represents the hierarchy of the eons. The little pyramid sitting on the very top is Logos. Each little piece of Logos is a fractal of one of the eons of the fullness, and the overall outline of the Pleroma of Logos was itself a fractal of the entire pleroma of the fullness. The fall of Logos is another way of saying that Logos separated itself from sitting on top of the hierarchy of the fullness. So, when that fractal pleroma separated out, you can see that it took along with it a smaller fractal version of the hierarchy of God. And, when Logos left the ethereal plane of the fullness, its pleroma could no longer sustain the hierarchical pattern, and it became chaotic, dense, and small. It turned into matter. Quote, Those who had come into being did not know themselves, nor did they know the fullness from which they had originated, nor did they know him who had become the cause for their existence. The imitation That had taken place solitarily in this state was what had been the cause of things that do not exist on their own account from the beginning. Verse 8, according to Thomason. We can speak of the fall as plunging those fractal units of consciousness into forgetfulness along with the ego of Logos. The chaotic units of consciousness became ignorant of their origin and fell into a lower energetic state, electromagnetic imitations forming the quantum foam of materiality. And out of those electromagnetic imitations, the Demiurge fashioned the material universe. Once the fractals of Logos fell into ignorance and self-doubt, there were no longer ethereal and those likenesses are called the shadows of the images of the eons. They are an imitation in the sense that they resemble the fractals of Logos, but they lack knowledge and order. Logos was horrified by the fall, and the best part of him fled back to the fullness, abandoning his ego below. That rejected ego of Logos is the personality of, called the Demiurge, and the Demiurge's archons form the pleroma of the Demiurge. The Demiurge's manifest body is the hard, rocky places of the material universe. If the fullness is viewed as a pyramidal hierarchy, and we apply the logic of as above, so below, and as below, so above, we can infer more about the fullness of God from what we can observe here below. It would seem that the lower levels of the hierarchy form the patterns of physics that appear within our material universe. Those are our bosons and particles boiling up out of the quantum chaos of the fall. And the laws of physics that ultimately build atoms and molecules. The level above those would continue on to the laws of chemistry, the way things join together in our universe, with smaller bits joining to form larger bits. In the physical universe, the strong and weak nuclear forces are imitations of the powers and cooperation of the eons. It's called the fall because the pattern of Logos no longer vibrated at that high rate of conscious vibration It became material. It has slowed down and become mud. That mud forms the particles, atoms, and molecules, all of the hard, rocky things of our universe that are superficial likenesses of the lower levels of the hierarchy of the fullness. Matter is referred to as the deficiency because the fractals of the eons that Logos brought with him Have forgotten their origin and their hierarchical duties. Being deficient, they lack the capabilities of the originals. Without the demiurge to bring them order and functionality, the fallen pleroma would remain chaotic and never be able to level up to create the material structure. As we climb up the levels of the pyramid of the hierarchy of the fullness, we begin to find eons with recognizable personalities. And, although it is not explicitly identified this way in the tripartite tractate, it seems to me that those personalities may be what we call angels and archangels. They are definitely aonic because everything inside of the hierarchy of the fullness is an eon. The overall pleroma of the hierarchy as a whole is an eon called the eon of the eons. Within that hierarchy are personalities that glorify God and look upon each other with love. I realize at this stage of our developing Gnostic theology these concepts may be large and difficult. This information is is true and good, though not essential for uncovering your gnosis. I hope you are able to follow along with this description of the flow of consciousness from the Father, through the Son, through the All, and through the first eon of the eons, and on into the subsequent eons of the fullness. The eons of the fullness are all able to express individual wills, this is the logical emanation of consciousness and stages of self-awareness, culminating in the capacity for independent action expressed by the ego. We second-order powers are fractals of the Pleroma of Logos, emanated during the combined prayers of Logos and the Fullnesses after Logos returned from the fall. That's according to verse 82. We are the second-order powers, not only humans, but all living creatures. We come from the hierarchy of the fullness of God, but not directly. We second-order powers are actually fractals of Logos after he returned to the fullness from the fall. In the Sethian version of Gnosticism, there are some intermediary mythological steps involving Sophia and Yaldabaoth. That aborted fetus, Yaldabaoth, is what the tripartite tractate calls the demiurge, and instead of Sophia, we call that eon who fell, Logos. It's all the same creativity arising from the same power, but without those extra mythological characters. We humans and all second-order powers have a tripartite nature, The Tripartite Tractate, Tripartite meaning three parts, and Tractate Book, is called that not only because this book is divided into three sections, which it happens to be, but because it describes the Tripartite nature of the God above all gods, the three-in-one. This three-part nature of God is preserved in the Bible as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Gnostic Gospel, We would say the tripartite nature of God would be the Father, the Son, including the All and the Fullnesses, and the Holy Spirit. We humans are also a tripartite system, comprised of the spiritual, the psychical, and the physical. The first part of our system is a fractal version of the monad of the Father, the Son. We call that fractal our self and it forms our spiritual aspect. The second part of our three-part structure is called the psychical or psychological, which mirrors our association with the names of the self-aware eons of the fullness. The psychical is the self-aware part of us that thinks, and that includes our ego. Our third part is associated with the portion of logos left behind within the boundary of the fall, Our third part is the material level, the hylic. To those who belong to the remembrance, however, he revealed the thought of which he had stripped himself with the intention that it should draw them into a communion with the material. Verse 98, Thomason. Those who belong to the remembrance refers to us second order powers because we are of the good thought of the eons of the fullness. The thought of which he had stripped himself is the egoic striving of Logos that brought about the fall. We all carry the fallen ego of Logos forward through our material aspect. While we vaguely remember we were pre-existent consciousness, because we second-order powers are those of the remembrance, We forget about our higher nature because we are all tangled up with the material formed by the thought of which he had stripped himself. The presumptuous thought that Logos needed to lose was, that he should attempt to grasp the incomprehensibility and give glory to it, and especially to the ineffability of the Father, without the agreement of the totalities, nor from him who brought them forth, the Father. End quote. Verse 75. When Logos found himself down here below after the fall, he asked himself, What the heck did I do? Then he discovered he could not bring the shadows and imitations that had emerged from his pleroma under his control. He left that imitation of himself behind, and what was perfect in him, that would be his self, fled back up to the fullness. That's from verse 78. He deserted the material plane and retreated back to the ethereal plane to return home to his father and his brothers in the fullness. Quote, First he remembered the one who was in the fullness and entreated him, then his brothers one by one, though always together with their fellows, then all of them together, But before all of these, the Father. This prayer and supplication helped to make him turn toward himself and toward the all, for their remembrance of him caused him to remember the preexistent ones. And this is the remembrance that calls out from afar and brings him back. Verse 82, Thomason. We're going to stop here for this week, because it turns out that reading this chapter out loud takes 48 minutes, and that's two episodes. So we're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about transhumanism, for example, and more about the Hilux. Can our consciousness be downloaded into a computer matrix? That's what we're going to talk about next week. Until then, God bless us. Thank you for staying with us and onward and upward.